Happy Monday. Welcome to the People's Show. Coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Vic Nazar here with you. Ben, Victor, running the show behind the glass. You can get involved as well into our feedback channel. 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com on a wet day, man. First, like, serious rainfall of the Very, very wet outside. Where it, it, and you got to stay undercover, man. This rains out to hurt you. I was out for one minute. You guys were chirping me about how wet. Yeah, my you top you, was. you made a what three hundred meter walk, maybe, maybe, probably even less than that, and just got drenched. Yeah, Actually, and then it's, it's about way that. less than that. Three hundred meters is man, it takes like a full. I'm not walking three hundred meters yeah. for food. It's like a hundred and fifty meter race. There, you did the uh, Donovan Bailey race there. Against Michael Johnson. I'll run it again. <laughs> that guy is chicken bleep. Actually, you did go out and go uh, get chicken. Um, 150 meters, and it's just pouring right now. So I hope everyone's staying dry uh, right now. Uh, tough one. Tough one when you wake up and you're just like, oh, here we go. Six more months of rain. <laughs> uh, we'll get a lot of Canucks stuff in the back half of the show. Ian McIntyre, our good friend, uh, Sportsnet's triple threat, uh, will join us in the second half of the show. Talk about the Pedersen stuff, the improvements the team is making or are they making uh, with the, the, the Dorov trade and five and five. Are they actually making progress? Uh, well, here, here they are, three or three points after 25 games. Uh, we'll start with some NFL stuff. By the way, it is also Monday. We'll do guest lines in the second half of the show. We'll do buzzer bell coming up here in about 15 minutes as well. But I, I got tagged in this today by Dom and, you know, I've have had, have had it mentioned to me uh, so far. This morning as well. You open up, uh, you know, your MVP odds across the NFL right now. Who is leading it as it stands? Well, wouldn't you know, uh, the the guy who I've been talking about a lot for a a season and a half, who has been, on this show at least, much maligned and much defended, I will say, from listeners who have texted in 650-650, telling me I'm wrong and everything like that. Which... This is what the show is about. We'll do buzzer bell. You know, I, I, I do buzzers from time to time. Uh, but leading the NFL MVP odds as we wake up today, heading into week 14, unless Trevor Lawrence does something amazing. It's not Trevor Lawrence. It is Brock Purdy leading the way uh, NFL MVP odds. Now, earlier in the season, I did my apology tour, right? I, I stand by everything I said, you know, probably in, in and around, you know, talent-wise, you know, the, the the sixth or seventh best quarterback in the NFC. And he's – look, you, you put his stats up against anyone right now in the NFL, you're, you're going to come up with a credible argument for MVP. And I, I just want to point this out, too, of what we've – what we as a society have deemed worthy of MVP. You basically have to win the division, and you essentially have to be a quarterback. You're talking Latanian Tomlinson, Adrian Peterson, Marshall Falk, this millennium, the only ones who have won MVP. But you got to win your division. The only quarterbacks not to are Peyton Manning and Steve McNair. That's it. And Steve McNair was a co-MVP with Peyton as well. 
but Peyton Manning finished second in a the year. They went 12 wins. That's that's essentially it. you you got to win your division. And right now, if you look across the league, all right, so who are our division winners? We, we, can, we can lower the MVP odds or, or the race to just eight candidates, essentially. you got to win your division. AFC South, or sorry, NFC South, we know it's not Desmond Ritter. The NFC North, I don't think we're going to be crowning Jared Goff as a MVP winner. We can cancel that one out. So now you get to six guys. Tua, Lamar, Trevor Lawrence, Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and Brock Purdy. And yes, I know some of these can change. As of right now, though, Tua's got a three-game lead over Josh Allen. And Josh Allen's having a remarkable year, but you got to win your division. This is how the credentials are. Lamar's got a two-game lead over the Steelers and the Browns. Jacksonville, they play tonight, but they got a game lead over Indianapolis and a game in hand, I believe. The Chiefs have multi-games in hand on uh, the Denver Broncos. The Eagles got the tiebreaker against the Cowboys. They're in the lead. Jared Goff, we've talked about. He's got three games in hand uh, on the Minnesota Vikings. Who knows what happens in the NFC South, but I don't think Derek Carr is threatening or Baker Bayfield is threatening. And then... The Rams have overtaken, actually, the Seahawks. But nevertheless, it's three games back of the 49ers. We know our division winners for the most part. So there's six candidates, really. Tua, Lamar, Trevor Lawrence, Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and Brock Purdy. And the only other guy that's really going to threaten it is Dak Prescott, who, by the way, right now is sitting at number two for odds. Brock Purdy is going to be NFL MVP. Get used to that statement. Get used to that statement. Because he's winning his division, and he's a quarterback. Those are the credentials. And there's there's no real reality after that curb stomping last night by the 49ers over the Eagles. As we've I've said here on the show, 49ers are the best team in the NFL. But best roster, like top to bottom. And the reason I put the, the Ravens at times ahead of them, we'll find out tomorrow if they actually make the jump uh, ahead of the Baltimore Ravens, is, okay, Lamar just more naturally talented than Brock Purdy. But everywhere else on the roster, 49ers are better. And they certainly proved it yesterday through some controversy as well in that game. This head security guy getting involved with a player, which I guess I think we need to start calling Dom Big Dom after yesterday's uh, fiasco on the Eagles sideline. Big Dom getting into it with Dre Greenlaw, an ejection and a a security guy getting injected. We always talk about trade-offs in hockey. Oh, grinder fourth liner takes out a star player. What about a linebacker uh, getting taken out by the head of security? That's a good trade-off. But the 49ers absolutely stomp all over the Eagles. And it, it's been my big worry for the Eagles. What are they going to look like against a good defense? And you can't keep grinding out these wins. Uh, you know, fans were booing a 10-1 and team at halftime. Rough look for the Eagles. Uh, but that was a you know statement game all of a sudden from uh, the San Francisco 49ers who can track down now the Eagles for top spot in the NFC. There's still a game behind, but now you get the tiebreaker against them. Is the NFC going to go through San Francisco on the back of potential MVP Brock Purdy? I still don't think he wins it. All right. He's, he's the runaway favorite. But I still think there's one more twist in this tale. And maybe it is Dak Prescott. Because if, if they win the division, because now here they are, they can flip the tiebreaker. If, if they are able to do that and actually take the division, then it's probably going to be Dak. The way he's played over the last month, Eagles, Cowboys getting ready for this week, obviously. 
But if, if Dak wins this week, you, you need the narrative to overcome the Eagles, get that one big marquee win over a really good team. They're going to play the Bills. They're going to play the Dolphins coming up. They play the Lions coming up. If he, if he gets all four of those and they start marching towards, uh, what would that be, a 13-win season? It would be massive for the Cowboys. Two points for you. Number one, going to throw a wild card name out there for you. Tyreek Hill. Not a quarterback. I would lo- look if he gets a two thousand yard season. I would love that, right? And the Dolphins are a division leader, and he- I know it's a receiver, but what he's doing this year is pretty is is amazing. That catch yesterday, unbelievable. Now he tweeted out. He's like, I I ran the wrong route. Two was through into the right spot. I had to readjust. That's but you can do that. Yeah, you watch it on like the TV copy or the the, the overhead angle. It looks easy. That is unnaturally great. Which is why it, this leads to my second point that I think Tyreek Hill is a better football player than Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. I think Brock Purdy is a, is a product of what is around him. From the coaching staff to the weapons, you have McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk, hey, Kittle. I, I will, like, you're, how does he, he's not the MVP. He's not the most valuable player. You could put any of those other quarterbacks that you named as potential MVP candidates at quarterback for the 49ers and they'd probably be even better. This is my This is what I've been saying for two years, okay? And I, the thing is, at one point, you're essentially being dishonest about it, right? And like, I've, that's why I did the apology to it, right? Right. Because it does matter that you're the guy that's there. That like you're the one that's executing it all. Mm-hmm. And, and doing it at a high enough level that it matters. And you certainly deserve a credit for that. Because other players in other leagues have all been in very advantageous spots, and they have failed. Or, or they just haven't lived up to potential. So it matters that Brock Purdy is the one that's completing 70% of his passes. It matters that his interception rate is at like 1.8% or something like that. It matters that he's the one that's at the head of this, being the conductor of this orchestra. As much as we can say, hey, it's Kyle Shanahan that creates the environment. Is he though? I think Kyle Shanahan's the conductor. It, no, it's true, but it's, it matters that they're executing it. Okay. Right? Because, look, you put the pieces in place, someone has to go do it. And he actually is doing it. So that does matter. And you know, we got a text here from Kurt from Surrey, and I've said this before of you know, there, there's certain guys I would rather have just based on pure talent. Cuz we're not talking about an athletic freak, we're talking about some great timing, someone who's willing to to throw it, but like there there's more natural talent from some players that you'd rather just bet on. There's a reason why like again, there's a reason why he went last in the draft. Now, because he's in the environment, he's succeeding, you still have to give him his credit. And there's another text here coming coming in here. It's got to be Christian McCaffrey. Well, Christian McCaffrey's odds are significantly less, plus 2,500. Brock Purdy sitting out there at plus 300. So, yes, I'm with you, but the, the, the way this works is it's going to be the quarterback. And it's not so exceptional of a season from Christian McCaffrey compared to someone like Tyreek Hill. Like Tyreek For Hill's sure. having the exceptional, we're going to remember this season as a wide receiver. I don't think that anybody on the 49ers should win this because I think it's all done by committee. Well, it's kind of the argument why why nobody from the Seahawks won Defensive Player of the Year from the Legion of the Boom, right? Totally. It's like, is it Richard Sherman? Is it Earl Thomas? Is it Cam Chancellor? Is it Bobby Wagner? Is it Cliff Averill? Is all it of you. Michael Bennett? Is it KJ Wright? Is it whoever? It's, it's, it's all of them collectively. And I hate that argument. Because we can recognize that, that was the best defense. We can recognize this is the best offense. Someone should get rewarded for that. It, it, it's like cannibalizing the vote for so second place can win. I think it's just it, – it also just comes down to what does the MVP actually mean? And in every sport has Perfect. this problem. Yeah. 
Is it the award for the best player? Is it an award for the best player on the best team? And I think there's so much gray area, and I think it switches sport to sport. Like, it's so obvious that, you know, if it was for basketball, LeBron James should have been the MVP 12 times. Or Jordan. But why, why weren't they? Well, the narrative situation. Like, Russell Westbrook won M- MVP in there. And Derrick Rose. And there's there's situations that call for, hey, this we should give it to this guy now. He's He's got a great narrative, though. Being the last pick in a draft to have success. And exactly. All that, it's a great narrative. This is the narrative. And Dak's also going to have a great narrative because Dak's got the star in his helmet. Yeah, that's all. That that's always gonna matter. Having the star in your helmet is always gonna matter. And performing like in, in Dallas, yeah. performing in Dallas at a high level does matter because what comes mm-hmm. with being in Dallas is yeah, you get a lot of attention, positively, but also negatively. There's a ton of pressure of playing in Dallas, and if you're able to perform well, there's something to be said about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, six fifty, six fifty. Uh, Eagles still hold the tiebreaker on the Cowboys. Both teams have the same record at the end, even if the Cowboys win on Saturday, they would nullify. Uh, sorry. That's what I meant. Having the the head-to-head tiebreaker uh, would, would get nullified because the Eagles beat the Cowboys earlier this week. That one. The, the total breakdown, yes, but it would certainly help uh, if the Cowboys uh, get this win, and they're going to need it to try to win the division and get first place in the NFC, and would certainly help uh, Dak Prescott's MVP odds as well. Uh, the other story across the league, uh, who is playing quarterback for the New York Jets? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It, they... Don't do well yesterday, which, surprise, surprise, uh, the Jets struggle their way uh, to a loss there against the Atlanta Falcons. But to report today, hey, they wanted to make a, ch- a change. Uh, Diana Rossini putting it out earlier today from The Athletic that uh, there's intention to want to make a change, a change at quarterback, but a reluctance on the part of Zach Wilson to want to go back out there. And then it started this chain gang of well no Zach Wilson does want to go back out there of of a anonymous source goes out there and then Aaron Rodgers apparently has talked to Zach Wilson and wanted to get back out there and Robert Solid's got to come meet media and and face the questions of well who's actually starting and he said well Zach wants the ball and who's going to start in week 14 well we're still working that out so basically if you send your resume into uh the Meadowlands right now you actually might start this weekend for the New York Jets Colin Kaepernick what a bad – yeah, can you imagine? What a bad look for everyone involved in this. Like, I, I think a lot of people have sympathy for for what the New York Jets season has become because it was not supposed to be this. They were the hype team. There was an injury, and everyone said, this is very unlucky. It's very unlucky. But how you handle yourself, even amidst the chaos, matters. And this just does not look well run. And – no one's really a winner in this scenario. And, I, like, I'm I, I'm pro-player empowerment at times. Sacrifice a lot for big reward, don't get me wrong. But, you know, some, when James Harden asked for a trade, I said, yeah, go ahead, man. Some, someone clearly wants you. Philly wants you. Houston wants you. L.A. wants you. Someone clearly wants you. If you want out, go ahead. Someone go facilitate, facilitate that trade. But you've got to be good enough to warrant someone wanting you. So, Zach Wilson right now, you don't want to go back out there. Okay, that's fine. But – You've not really shown anything that's going to dictate that anyone's going to want you after this plays out. This could be the last month of your NFL career, and you're going to go out on the sidelines, and we'll see what happens here moving forward if he does get named the starter. But the the mere fact that this is even out there is not a good sign. It should not have to come to, hey, do we think this guy wants to play? That, that should at no point. 
be any part of the consideration of a professional athlete. Especially when you're at the bottom end of your career and at the bottom end of the NFL landscape right now. It's bad in New York. And they, uh, I mean, at least they're better than the Patriots. That is the one solace right now for the New York Jets, that they can score points and the New England Patriots uh, cannot. 650-650, this one, uh, Purdy's, he's progressing through the reads to find the best option. Tyreek runs about six to eight different patterns. He's excelling at those patterns, though. He is crushing right now. Uh, How many yards is he projected for? Uh, Do we have that on hand? It's a staggering amount. He's at 14. He's just shy of 1,500 right now and 12 touchdowns. He's been far away the most impactful non-QB this year. A.J. Brown, maybe a close second. Christian McCaffrey in in that run as well. He's having this just ridiculous year. And again, if he hits 2,000, it's rarefied air. And he's projected for just shy of 2,100. So he's very much in line to surpass that. And even if it's just those six state routes, that's his reality. What what is there, nine routes on the uh, route tree? Pretty decent. It's incredible if he gets over two thousand yards. It it he's he's already won the um the offensive player of the year award mm-hmm. just because it seems like MVP goes to quarterback and it should go to quarterback. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. They, they do have to adopt the CFL most outstanding player thing, which I think is just makes it so much easier. I, I think all leagues should do that. Yep, it it would, it would clear up so much. They're just the best player this year. Because again, to to your point, I, I think MVPs and all awards are meant or should be viewed as timepieces that. 50 years from now, someone's looking back and saying, hey, wh- what do I need to remember from the year? Okay. What are you going to remember from this year? The storyline? It's gonna. It, you're going to remember Tyreek Hill. You're right. You're going to remember that. But is, is, the award won't indicate that. And it, that should matter. That should matter in the conversation. Yeah. Uh, all right. It's Monday. Uh, we, we like to screw up sometimes, but we also like to come up here and say, hey, look, we screwed up. And sometimes when we're right, we like to puff our chest out. It's buzzer, bell. All right, starting to make Jordan Love. Talked about this uh, preseason. I thought he would be the one to take some steps. The two guys I was on on, big on, were Jordan Love and Kenny Pickett. Well, Kenny Pickett, we know what's happened there in in uh, Pittsburgh. Jordan Love, after yesterday, huge win against the Kansas City Chiefs. Throws for 267 yards, three touchdowns, after already beating Detroit on Thanksgiving. This looks real all of a sudden from Jordan Love. He just looks in control. That's the big thing. He doesn't look sporadic. doesn't look like he's just chucking a pass and, and having success, all, although that pass to Romeo dubs. It, it looks shaky on that pass, but that to me was with intent to throw it and drop it in that spot between uh, three receivers. We'll see what happens with Christian Watson if that uh, hurts the overall offense. But Jordan Love, big comeback for him uh, coming up this th- through this season. We'll see what they can do in the rest of the NFC playoff picture. Broncos, I thought maybe they would go on a bit of a run. I picked against them big six, but that's a tough one. They they just look safe all the time. And Russell Wilson didn't really take that step uh, this past weekend against C.J. Stroud. It just looked casual. Would there be a chance for them to get back to the AFC playoff picture? Uh, I think we're at a spot now where we can close the book on them. Houston looks better than them. Indianapolis looks better than them. Maybe Cleveland slides out and they can catch them, but that's one too many teams. Uh, and if Buffalo catches back on fire, they can surpass the Denver Broncos as well. I dropped Kansas City last week in the power rankings, primarily because of the Chiefs wide receivers. 
it's a problem now. It is a big problem that you've got that guy at quarterback, you got that coach, and you can't seem to score touchdowns. It's becoming a huge issue. There's going to be an over-reliance come Travis Kelsey on Isaiah Pacheco, who's, who's had a uneven season, and Rasheed Rice, who's just a rookie. It's going to be a lot of burden placed on a couple of players that are not Travis Kelsey, and are they going to be able to survive? Uh, they might even slip down further tomorrow in the power rankings as well. The Colts. I thought their season would be over for Anthony Richardson once that one goes down, but a smart coaching staff has figured it out. They're making it work with Gardner Minshew. Jonathan Taylor is out. doesn't matter. It's Zach Moss. They keep rolling through. They get that win in overtime. It, it was tough, but they came through uh, and got it over the Titans in a divisional win. They find themselves right now in seventh in the AFC playoff picture, hanging on to that uh, wild card spot. I, I put the Houston Texans high in the power rankings last week. Got some grief for it. So it above some teams that are definitely worse than. They just lost to the Jaguars. Why are they above the Jaguars? And look at what the Houston Texans do. They stop up. Big win. They're, they're, they're surging all of a sudden. Now, I'll tell you right now, that Tank Dell injury absolutely sucks. That absolutely sucks. He had... Very unique chemistry with C.J. Stroud. Uh, will it hurt them in the power ranks tomorrow? We'll find out. But huge win, 22-17 over the Denver Broncos. That's a big one uh, for the Houston Texans. The New Orleans Saints moved the ball on the Detroit Lions. That is a bad sign for this Lions defense. And that you know we talked about that earlier in the season. Aiden Hutchins has come on. Dan Campbell's firing this defense up. They're playing well. And all of a sudden, this Lions defense is not looking very good. They gave up 29 last week, the week before, to the Packers. They gave up 26 to the Bears. They gave up 38 to the Chargers. They gave up 38 to the Ravens, although that's going to happen sometimes. They gave up 24 to the Panthers. That one should have been the warning sign. Uh, it, It is looking like the Lions have a flaw in their team that, might cap their ceiling come playoff time. Are they in the true, you know, elite in the NFC? Dallas might have them uh, clipped as far as being a overall better team. Although the Cowboys just gave up a bunch as well to the Seahawks last week. The Eagle secondary. I tried warning it. Tried warning this would come to fruition at some point. And sure enough, Brock Purdy and the 49ers absolutely laced the Philadelphia Eagles yesterday, and they just didn't look like they had any sort of answer. Whole game, they just looked like they were second-guessing. Sorry, not the whole game. Beyond the first quarter. They had success early. The pass rush started to get mitigated, and IU, Debo were just doing it over and over and over again. And that that last touchdown as well. Dispiriting. Got to be able to tackle. And the Eagles secondary, uh, it's... It's shaky right now. Is is it going to be the biggest flaw come playoff picture that uh, now the 49ers can just walk into uh, Philadelphia and get that win if it, it comes to that come playoff time? But it has reared its ugly head, and they got to find an answer pretty quickly. All right, we'll end on a make or a miss actually today. Uh, the LA Kings. I was wrong about this. I I I did say they they invited more volatility. And they chased a higher upside, but they may have invented the downside with what they're doing in in net and the depth, but it hasn't shown out. The depth is real as it stands right now. The Canucks have the most goals for in the league, but 
goals for per game. Who's leading that? It is the LA Kings. Goals against per game. Who is leading that? It is the LA Kings. They are rather remarkable right now. And yes, they have less points in the Canucks, but points percentage, they are the third best team in the league. 21 games played, uh, 738 hockey. It looks very difficult right now uh, if you're going up against the LA Kings. I know a couple of weeks ago we said, all right, it's going to be Vegas Golden Knights walking away with the division. Kings and Canucks, they don't play till February. Four times in the last 20 games you get psyched up for uh, that and then maybe get ready for a seven-game series. Suddenly, it looks like it's going to be quite the battle for first place in the Pacific. Uh, is it between Vegas and uh, L.A.? Do Vancouver kind of close that gap? But that gap looks like it might widen quite a bit because the L.A. Kings uh, are a force right now. Uh, we'll see how it continues uh, through the rest of December into the new year, but it, it, it's going to be a problem. All right, on the other side, we'll talk about that with uh, Ian McIntyre, how the Pacific is shaping up. What Pedersen, the, the non-meeting meeting, or the meeting that might not meet anything, uh, what that means, uh, and plus uh, what's going on with your Vancouver Canucks all on the way. Home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.